Welcome to the Leadership Matters Podcast, where we talk matters of leadership because leadership really does matter. Here's your host, Jeremy Albrecht. Welcome to episode five of the Leadership Matters Podcast. I've entitled this particular episode, Like a Boss. So it was about three or four months ago, I'm out driving in the car around our city with my, my son, my 11-year-old son. And out of nowhere, we're, we're chatting, and my son turns to me and asks me this question. Dad, how does a person become a boss? And I could tell right away by the question that, that my son had, had this fascination with, with being the boss. I mean, this wasn't the first time he had alluded to this idea of being top cheese and how cool that would be and how sick and, and, and lit it would be to be the boss and to tell people what to do and get to make up all the rules. And I could, I could tell that that, that was kind of the weight behind this particular question. However, without too much thought, I, I quickly began to respond to this question. And, and I began to talk about hard work and, and how, how much of a hard worker you got to be. If you want to be the boss, you got to put in hard work. You got to be one of the hardest workers at your company or business or, or whatever uh, your setting that you've been called to, to, to lead. I began to talk about skill set and how you need to be the best at what you do and, and, and be, have the competency to, to pull off the job and get the job done. I began to talk about things like excellence and how that's a qualifier for, for being the boss and doing things with excellence, doing the best with what you have. And I also talked a little bit about intelligence, you know, um, and, and just having the smarts to, to actually do what, what you've been asked to do. And I went on to talk for a little bit and... and a lengthy response to my son's short question, to which my son responded with a, another short response, to which he responded after I had completed all this, he just looked at me and said, huh. But you know, the more I, more I began to think about my response to my son's question that day, the more unsatisfied I was with my answer. I mean, these are all great things, and, and some of them are necessary, I believe, do have a role to play when it comes to becoming the boss or getting that promotion or being successful in, in the position that you've been hired to do. But as I thought about that and I thought about my own personal journey and, and the different places I, I have been called to lead and, and what got me various promotions that I've seen with, with my own life, maybe not even set out to get promotions, but for whatever reason have, have been granted those promotions and, and succeeded in, in those particular areas, I began to look at, at, at some, of, some of the things that played into that. I, I can remember as a, as a young boy, I, I grew up playing all kinds of hockey, and I remember being, uh, being asked to be captain of, of many of the teams that I played on for, for whatever reason. I remember as a, as, a, as a young person, as a teenager, my youth group, my youth pastor, seeing something in me and, and asking me to to serve on the, uh, on the youth leadership team. I can remember various jobs I had as a teenager, part-time and then full-time. And, and in pretty much each of those cases, I was able to, to be asked to be promoted and to get those promotions and, and climb the proverbial ladder, so to speak. Um, and I also thought not just of my own personal experiences. I also began to, to look at biblical examples and think about ones that came to mind quickly off the top of my head as I, I thought about what does it take to be the boss? How do you become, how does one become a boss? And I, I began to think of various biblical examples. And I realized through my own personal experience and, and through biblical experiences that, that came to mind that I left out probably the biggest 
the biggest qualifier to, to being a boss or getting a promotion or, or being successful in, in the area that you uh, currently uh, serve. And that's just that, servanthood. Probably the biggest qualifier in anyone becoming a boss or getting a promotion is, is servanthood. And I went back to my son and I told him how I had made a terrible mistake. I had, I had led him astray. They began to talk about the kingdom of God and, and it is an upside down kingdom. And if you want to be great, you, if you want to be a great leader, if you want to be a great boss, then you've got to learn to serve. And, and servanthood is the single one most biggest qualifier when it comes to, to getting promoted seeing success in, in your position. And I basically broke it down uh, for my son. I, I gave him a bottom line and I said this, son, for every success story, there's a serve story. For every leadership success, this is a leadership podcast. And so where I'm talking to leaders right now. And so for every leadership success story, there's also a serve story that preceded that success story. You see, for many leaders today, their leadership has become all about themselves become about how fast you, you can advance, how fast you can climb that ladder, how fast you can get noticed, get recognized, and get to the top. We become so consumed with ourselves, with, with being the spotlight, in the spotlight, being the star. I mean, think about it for a second. Who would have thought 15, 20 years ago, if I would to say selfie stick, you wouldn't have a clue what I was talking about, first of all. That would be a, a foreign concept to you. What in the world is a selfie stick? But nowadays, we just know what a selfie stick, that something that somebody would create something, a device, for the sole purpose of sticking a camera on the end of it so that you could take a picture of yourself and be in every uh, possible picture you would ever take. Like, who would have thought? How narcissistic, how, how self-absorbed is that whole concept? I remember uh, a few moments ago, I, I said the, the kingdom of God is an upside-down kingdom. You want to succeed? Then you've got to learn to serve. For every success story, there is a serve story. Now, regardless of your leadership context, I know I'm, I'm talking to, to business leaders. You might be listening to this. I'm talking to church leaders. You might be a youth pastor, children's pastor, lead pastor, uh, worship pastor, whatever the case may be. But regardless of your, of your leadership context, I believe this principle applies to wherever you're leading today. Regardless of whether you're in church leadership or, or the business world, for every success story, there's a serve story. Now, let me talk to you for a second, the, a biblical example that, that I think is pretty well known, regardless of whether you, were, you, you grew up in the church or not. There's a familiar story in the Old Testament, in 1 Samuel 17, the story of David and Goliath. And this is probably the single best story success story uh, that started with a serve story and, and maybe one that you're you're familiar with the success part of it when David took down a giant Goliath I mean we all love a good uh, underdog taking down a giant we, we all love a good David and Goliath story but maybe what you didn't realize is the background scene what what actually preceded that success story was it was an incredible absolutely incredible in my mind anyways serve story that that preceded it See, let, let me set it up for you. So David has been anointed by, by Samuel, a prophet, to be the next king, to succeed Saul one day. And he's just a young boy when he's chosen and anointed before his brothers to be the next king. And so this happened, this, this event happens in David's life. And right uh, immediately to follow, David goes out and he, he goes back to tending the sheep. He was a shepherd boy. 
And so he doesn't try and promote himself. He doesn't try and get noticed. I mean, he's been anointed to be the next king. He doesn't try and force anything. He goes back to serving. That's a, that's a huge indicator. So hold on to that thought for an idea, for a minute. And so David's out there serving in the fields, and his brothers actually go to battle. There's this battle going on between the Israelites and the Philistines, two groups of people in the Old Testament. And, and Goliath was a Philistine. And Goliath was coming out and taunting these Israelites each and every day. Meanwhile, David's back tending the sheep back at the ranch. And David's father calls him in one day and says, David, I need you to take this, this delivery, this delivery of some bread and cheese. And it, basically, he says, David, I, I want you to take this food out to your brothers who are, who are fighting on the battle lines. Now, to David, that maybe more sounded like this. David, I want you to take this food out to the place that you're not qualified to be. You see, remember, David's been anointed to be the next king. But his father doesn't say, David, I want you to go out and help your, your, your brothers fight the battle. He basically says by asking him to take this delivery of food out there that, David, uh, I want you to take something uh, to an area where you're not qualified to be. David had been overlooked for the battle. And so he's out there tending the sheep, minding his own business, comes in, dad says, take this food out to your brothers. And so David willingly, which just blows my mind, he does it willingly takes this takes this delivery of food out to his brothers and in the midst of him serving his brothers this great defeat of Goliath takes place so what what does that have to do with us as leaders today thousands of years later what does that have to do with leadership well i think it has everything to do with leadership you see if david would have been too self-absorbed to serve he would have missed this event that set him up to be a successful leader, to be the next king. This was a setup in disguise as a serving opportunity. It was a setup. God had ordained this moment. And if David wouldn't have been willing to serve, if he would have been so self-absorbed, if he would have been all about self-promoting and, and said, well, I'm not serving. One day, my, those brothers, they're going to serve me. How, how dare you ask me to go out and serve them, Dad? Do you not know I've been anointed to be the next king? That wasn't even in, we don't see that in scripture. Scripture doesn't record that at all, that that was David's response. So what does this mean for us as leaders today, whether, whether you might find yourself a church leader or a business leader? Well, two things I think we need to do with this. Two things we need to look at. First thing is this. We need to be continually as leaders, and I don't care what leadership position. You might be CEO of a head corporation of a multi-million dollar uh, organization or company. You, you might be... You might be on, on a leadership team uh, for your youth ministry. R regardless of your, of your context of leadership, you need to continually, as a leader, we need to continually, as leaders, humble ourselves. That's the first thing. Humble yourself. See, Dave, I believe David did this constantly. I mean, Dave, remember, David's already been anointed to be the next king. This delivery of some food to his brothers, many, many leaders, especially... You've been anointed to be the next king. This might be something you say, no, I'm, I'm above this. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not willing to. I, this is beyond me. I, I don't need to do this. But David remained willing. And I, I used to say this to my, to my youth leaders all the time when I was youth pastoring. I'd say, hey, if you're too big, if you're too large to bend down and pick up a piece of trash uh, on, on the floor, then you're probably too big for this ministry team. You're too big for this leadership team. Why is this so hard for us? I believe one of the reasons it's so hard for, for us today 
is that we've been groomed from birth to be stars. I mean, I watch parents today, and, and I could be guilty of it too. I'm not pointing the finger. Uh, but we, we groom our children from birth to be stars. I mean, we celebrate everything that we do. I mean, you find this in the, in the school system now. They get an award for everything, an achievement award. I mean, I, I've been heavily involved in coaching hockey, and everybody gets a trophy now at the end of the year. Uh, it's just we, we celebrate everything. We, we, we treat all of our kids, we, we, we treat them as if they're stars right from the time they're born. And there's some value to that. I'm not saying that's all bad or wrong. We need to uh, train up our kids and raise them to, to have some confidence and courage. I, I believe in those things. But I also believe we can overdo it and, and to, to the point where our kids aren't willing to serve. They're, they're just, they, they have this, this level of entitlement and this aura of entitlement over them where they become too big to do certain tasks because they're, they're, they're better than that. And uh, so one of the things I, one of the reasons why I set out when I set out to, to coach this year as a, as a hockey coach, I had a, a Triple H philosophy that I shared with the parents and the, and the, the boys that were on my team. And, and it, you've probably, you've maybe heard of the, these H's, some businesses use it, but I used it for, for, for coaching these 11-year-old these 12-year-old boys, and it was humble, hunger, and hardworking was my Triple H philosophy. And, and the reason I started with, with, with humble is because I wanted to raise up young boys, young men who love the game of hockey. Now, many coaches want to raise up uh, young hockey players who, who, who become young men, uh, but I took it in reverse and, and actually intentionally had a philosophy of raising up young men, that was the priority, who love the game of hockey. And so one of the things about being a young man, I wanted to raise up young men who are humble, who have, who have the humility factor. And, and so we did various things. I had expectations of my players. One of, the, one, of the things I, one of the expectations I had, which might be, uh, you might think is a little strange or, or weird or not get the, the reasoning behind it, uh, was that at the end of the game, the, all the boys go down the line and they shake hands with the other team. And uh, I made sure, I told my, my boys that we're going to be a team that every single one of you takes your glove off to shake hands. We don't just pound it over top of the gloves because I, I believe that's the characteristic of a, of a young man. You actually look your opponent in the eye and you shake their hand, a good, firm, manly handshake. And I want to raise up young men, a generation of young men again. I desire to see that, 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 that have humility. And there's something hu humble about taking off that glove and actually skin to skin actually um, shaking a, another young man's hand, your opponent's hand, and, and looking them in the eye. And so that was just a small example, but that was one of the areas where I wanted to teach humility. I also wouldn't let my boys celebrate, have these huge sellies like they like to do after they score. Now, I, I wanted to have fun as a team, but I wanted them to act like they've scored before and they're going to score again, not like it was the first time. And so we had that, that expectation on our team. And, and so I believe the whole thing about humbling yourself is so key. It's a key indicator of, of a successful leader, of a leader that worth following, and, and which, is, which is something I hope we all set out to be, a, a leader worth following. So humble yourself. We see that in David's life. The second thing is this, serving others. This was huge of David as well. Remember, David discovers who he is by serving someone with who they were. He served his brothers with who they were. They were fighters. They, they, were, they were part of the army of, of that day, fighting their opponents. And David was overlooked for that. But he doesn't let that get to him. He doesn't let that discourage him from, from serving somebody else. 
And as a result, he ends up discovering a little bit, another piece about who he is by serving someone with who they were. And that is so key, serving others, even when you feel overlooked. You see, it's in these moments of serving when we are actually set up to succeed. I can remember long before I, I, I began this position, I can remember years ago, 15 years ago, 16 years ago, I can remember working at Lakeshore Pentecostal Camp and in the off season, I remember serving the person who did my job, the job that I do now, the district youth director at the time. I remember serving him. I remember setting up and tearing down for his events and going, and my wife worked at district office at the time, and I remember just going along, tagging along and serving them. I remember serving by, by uh, driving our host speakers around, these big-name speakers that would come in for conventions and camps, and I, I remember driving them around and hosting them and just being a servant and, and serving my district youth director. Little be known to me that one day I would be sitting in, in the chair of district youth director myself. Not that I ever set out to attain that, not that that was ever my goal or ambition in, in serving my district youth director at the time, but I just believe that's the handiwork of God. That's, that's kingdom leadership and principle in, in play. Listen, promoting others leads to a promotion. Think about it. If I, if I said I want you to push someone else forward, I want you to help push them along. Every time you give them a push, what happens? They actually advance. They actually move forward. Now, if you are going to push them again and continue to push them, what do you have to do to, to be able to do that? You actually have to advance as well. You actually have to move and take a couple steps forward and push them again. And so without even realizing it, when, whenever you serve somebody else, whenever you push somebody else and promote somebody else and advance somebody else, you're actually also at the same time advancing yourself without even realizing it. Now, that's not why we do it. But it's a, it's a byproduct of what happens when, we, when we're faithful in doing that, in serving others. So why do this? As I bring this to a close today in this, this fifth episode of our, our Leadership Matters podcast, why, why do any of this? Well, first of all, because success without serving will leave you playing with animals when you've been called to slay giants. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Chill, chill, chill. Hold up. What does that mean? Well... I'm getting that from the story of David. Now, you may not know the story in detail. Let me explain to you. David, while he was tending sheep, there's a couple uh, instances in Scripture when it's recorded that David fought off a lion and a bear, animals, wild animals that were going to take over his sheep. Now, if David was unwilling to serve his dad and his brothers when his dad called him in to say, take this food to his brothers, David would have missed out on the very success of taking out Goliath the very thing that would lead to the, the great success of, of his leadership as king over Israel. David would have missed out on that if he refused to be willing to serve his brothers. And he would have ended up playing with animals the rest of his life when David had been called by God to slay giants. You see, success without serving will always leave us playing with things we were never meant to play with. When, when, when you've been called to lead, you've been called to do big things, to do great things. So we cannot lose our willingness to serve. It's your willingness to serve is actually uh, determines the lid of your leadership. If you are unwilling to serve, it, it will put a lid on your leadership like nothing else. Like, like no comparison to, to intelligence, to skill set, to hard work, to excellence. All those things can put a bit of a lid on your leadership, but nothing will put a lid on more than your unwillingness to serve. 
You see, the greatest leaders are the greatest servants. It's just the way it is. I, I mean, take a look at Jesus, the greatest leader of all in Scripture. And what, is he, what does he model for us? What does he do in the New Testament? What do we find him doing? Washing his disciples' feet. Man, as leaders, if we could learn down to lay down the, the selfie stick and, and pick up a towel, how great would that be for this generation of young leaders coming up to lay down their lives and pick up a towel? That's exactly what Jesus modeled for us in biblical leadership we see in Scripture. Remember, for every success story, there is a serve story. I really hope you found this episode to be meaningful for you in your leadership context, wherever you currently serve. And if you have, if you would take a second and just go on iTunes, maybe leave a review for us, or you would like to like it or share it on Facebook or Twitter, whatever your social media platform is that you use most, that would be very helpful to us, and we'd really appreciate that. Until next time, peace on your melon. Your leadership really does matter. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Leadership Matters Podcast. If you've enjoyed the podcast, why don't you take a moment and subscribe on iTunes to ensure you never miss another episode. Until next time, remember your leadership matters.